Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Well, it's a message that as I was pondering, yes, you know, not yesterday alone, but pondering through the week what I'm going to share this week, where, what, you know, we, we've come to, this, to the end of a few cycles of preaching. We like in this house, and I, I still, you know, stand by it. I don't often preach standalone messages. We preach things in a series so that we can grapple with it and approach a subject from various angles and spend some time on it. But this morning, the one, the one thing that's, that's been rolling around my heart this week is the, is the scripture, freely you've received, and f- so freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. We'll get into it a little bit later. Excuse me. But yesterday morning, I got a, f- a call from Pastor Andreas, and he said to me, Michael, what one revelation have you had that's completely changed your life? And I didn't have to think long at all. I said, the revelation of God's love. He says, that's what I believe you need to preach tomorrow morning. And then I began to understand what God was saying, trying to say to me. It took a phone call because I didn't quite get it. What God was trying to say to me throughout this week. Freely you receive the revelation. Freely give it out. You know, folks, what we celebrated over Easter weekend is the awesome demonstration of God's love for us. If you think about all that we, the cross and the story of the cross, the, what, the suffering of our, of our Savior, his, his beating, His whipping, His lashings, his, the nails and the, and the blood that was shed, it's an incredible picture of how much God loves us. And really the question that we have to answer, the question that every one of us is confronted with, and everybody in the world at some stage will be confronted with one day, is what do we do with this kind of love? What do we do with this relentless love that just gives of itself and requires nothing in return, just that we open our hearts to turn towards it and away from ourselves, that we may receive the fullness of all it has to give? How do we respond to this love And the one, the, the, the revelation that I had, and it may sound very silly to you, but I'm, I'm sure that as I speak about this a little bit more, you'll see how so often we get trapped in a certain way of thinking that is not right. The revelation that I had that completely changed my life was not that Jesus loved me. I've been singing, I sang that song in Sunday school. I knew and understood that Jesus loved me. But the revelation that I had is that God's love was not dependent upon my works. Because as a young man growing up, And even, you know, just as we grow and as we live out our lives, we have a sense when we fail of shame. We have a sense of having messed up and feeling unworthy or feeling not good enough. And I, my my journey with God went through ups and downs and phases where when I was doing right and I was reading my Bible enough and I was praying enough and I wasn't saying too many swear words and I wasn't being too angry with the people around me, God was okay with me. He was happy with me. I could come and ask for things and feel that I had some kind of good ground to stand on with him, that he wasn't going to be too upset with me and turn me away. However, if I fell, if I looked at her and I looked a little bit too long, oh, ah, you know, there's an old, there's a, there's an, <laughs> there's a, there's an old joke about a, a, a preacher who's preaching to a youth and he says to them, young men, I want to talk to you about your eyes. You know, the, Jesus said that if you look at a woman and, and lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in, in your heart. 
How, what does that mean? How does it work out? It's, it means that if you look at a woman and you notice she's attractive and all that kind of thing, if you just look once and you do all of that, you know, that, that's not a sin in itself. But if you look away and then your eyes are drawn again and you look again at her, the second look, the third look, that becomes sin. To which one of the young guys nudges his mate and he says, that's why when I look the first look, I make sure it's a good long look. <laughs> It reveals the state of the heart, you know, and, and we have these struggles that we go through, and, and we, th- th- I couldn't shake, in my journey, one thing that I couldn't or struggled to shake was the thought that when I messed up, when I knew that I had sinned, when I knew that I had done wrong, that, that, that somehow when I came to God, coming to God was, was almost an impossible thing. I needed time, time just away from the pressure of the guilt and the condemnation, because I've heard that Jesus' eyes burn with fire, and I thought, yay. I don't want those eyes to see what's going on in here. So let me at least do some good stuff, okay? The, the mat, the carpet of good works. So you, you, you have this sin, this glaring thing that you know is in your heart, and it's there, and you don't quite know what to deal with it. But you know, if I do some good here, maybe I can cover it there and cover it there. And maybe when I come to God, you just won't notice it's there because I've done some good stuff now. Now I'm in the good books again. Maybe he won't be as mad at me or as angry at me. And I think the revelation that I had is just the fullness of God's love that is so complete, that is so great, that it had absolutely nothing to do with my works whatsoever. Romans 5 verse 8 says that God demonstrates his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. (laughs) In fact... My unworthiness is what led to the greatest demonstration of His love in the first place. Isn't that incredible? It's easy to love those who love you back and who do right all the time, right? God's love is so great that those who rejected Him, who turned away from Him, who literally nailed Him to the cross, whose sin, He took my sin upon Himself, and yet His love didn't diminish one iota. And this kind of thinking... Where we, where we think, when I do good, God's happy. When I don't do good, God's not happy. What does it lead to? It leads to guilt, it leads to shame, and it leads to condemnation. Where you just can't come close. You're just too insecure. You too feel, feel too ashamed. It's the same thing that Adam and Eve did. The moment they realized that they'd sinned, the moment they saw their nakedness, their vulnerability before God, what did they do? They hid. Now, we don't hide from the people around us. I don't know, maybe you do. Maybe this, when you know you've upset your wife, maybe it's wise to hide. I don't know. But, but in our hearts, we hide from God. What does the hiding look like? It means we withdraw. We withdraw. You see, the reason God hates sin, folks, is not because sin is a big deal to God. Jesus paid the price to sin. But he knows the reason God hates sin is because sin causes us to withdraw from who he is. Think about it, the original sin, the first sin. What happened? Shame led to the withdrawing from God. But no, God's love and affirmation has nothing to do with our works, but with who He is. And the point that I want to make to you this morning is that we too often lose sight of this truth. And when we do, we cut ourselves off from His life-giving power. One of the scriptures that fundamentally shifted my heart forward in this revelation is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6 which says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The word mercy there is really important because 
What God said to me is this. He said, son, what kind of person needs mercy? And I said, well, God, we all need mercy. You're a merciful God. He said, yeah, but why do you need mercy kind of thing? You're reasoning with me here. It's helping me to understand. The only kind of person who needs mercy is the kind of person who's done something wrong, who has a judgment against them. So suddenly, suddenly, may I use you as an example? A little while ago, Mark and Nicola had a leak at their house, right? And they didn't realize there was a leak until two or three days later. And so they had the leak repaired and all the rest. But then, of course, city of Cape Town sends forth their water bill. And their milk tart suddenly got really small. So what did they do? They sent a letter to the city of Cape Town saying, please have mercy. We don't know the end of the story just yet. We'll pray for you after the service, <laughs> for favor. Why? Because there's now a debt against their name. There's a charge that's been brought against them to say, you've used all this water, and they're saying, look, it's before. there's all kinds of conditions to it. I don't want to go into it. It's just the example that popped into my head. And, and Jesus says in this scripture, the scripture says there, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Boldness for mercy. That's incredible. Because in my heart, when I feel I'm in need of mercy, how do I feel like coming? Cowering. Please, please be merciful to me, God. And you know what that shows? You know what the, the truth about that is? That kind of attitude before God reveals how little I know Him. When I feel like I need to cower before God, that feeling in itself tells me I'm, my, my understanding of His nature and of His character is way, way short of the truth of who He is. Because this verse says, because of Jesus, I come boldly for what? For mercy. I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. But I come boldly because I know that despite it, Dad still loves me. And despite it, He's still going to have mercy on me. I come boldly to receive forgiveness and grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is His favor, it's His goodness, but it's His very presence working in me to do that which I can't do myself. In coming for mercy, I've already proven that I am weak, that I have fallen, that I've sinned, that I've come short. So what does mercy do? Mercy forgives that shortcoming. It, it, it takes it away. It doesn't hold it against me. He has mercy, and He says, oh, and here is grace. So you don't have to keep falling into that and keep coming for mercy. It's amazing how God keeps lifting us up. You know, when we put people in their place, it's generally so that we can bring them down. When God puts us in our place, He always lifts us up to where He is. So when I come for mercy, God puts me back in my place. The same scripture from the message says, so let's walk right up to Him and get what He is so ready to give. Take mercy and accept the help. Take mercy and accept the help. I don't know where your heart is at this morning. I don't know what your struggles are, what you've been dealing with. But the invitation from God remains the same always. Take the mercy. Get the help. Come for the goodness. Receive the provision. Find the breakthrough. It's not dependent on how you perform and how well you've done and all the bad things you haven't done. 
The moment it becomes dependent on that, we get stuck in legalism, and guilt and condemnation will follow. Guilt and condemnation are the fruit of, of the law. They're the fruit of... What's the word I'm looking for? I just used it. Legalism. They're the fruit of legalism. Stay with me, people. Stay with me. <laughs> so, what I'm talking to you about this morning, this, as I said to you, this revelation of who God is, of the nature of God's love, is what shifted me. And in and through intimate relationship with Him. It's got nothing to do with works. It's got everything to do with intimacy. And the scripture that really shifted my heart along in this is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says this, I am convinced, and that's what I needed to become, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Let me ask you, believer, are you convinced of that this morning? Are you thoroughly convinced of that? That no matter what you do, nothing can separate you from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. You know what? As I, as I sat and meditated on that, you know, my mind went to this great gulf between heaven being a spiritual realm up there and this natural world, and we see God's love poured out in its creation, in, 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 in the people that He placed on it, that He created. In the cross of Jesus, there's just God's love being communicated there all the time. And then there's this other realm that we know about, we don't like to talk about too often. It's the realm of hell. It's the realm of the damned. And the Bible says that not a demon not heaven, not hell, not anything can separate us from God's love. And you know what I realized in that moment? That God's love still burns and grieves for every soul that burns in hell. His love for them is not diminished at all. But they've chosen to spend eternity apart from Him. I'm convinced that none of these things can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. It is relentless. So the question that I was left with and the question that we are all left with is, what then will be my response? What ritual must I perform to become worthy to receive this love? Nothing. Amen. <laughs> he has arrived. <laughs> and here's why, folks. You know, so often we try to do the good works so that we can change ourselves to be worthy of God's love. It's impossible because the only thing that truly changes us is God's love. And that's the revelation that literally changed my life. I had a double life. I had my God life, and I had my social life. I had my church life. I had my family life. They were all, they, there were different rules and regulations in each of them. Until this kind of revelation truly set in, where I began to live my life, not from a place of trying to earn God's love, trying to be good enough or, bad in, or not bad enough, not too bad for it, but really just to enjoy it in every setting. 
See, when it comes to the love and generosity of God, folks, the question that we need to answer is not what has God given? Has God given me love? Is God good to me? Is His mercy going to extend to me? Is He going to meet my needs? All of those questions are settled. The question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is what have we received? What changed my love was not, what changed my life was not that God loved me. What changed my life was that I received that love as it is and as it comes. You see, there's a, the, Romans 8.32, He who did not spare, him, spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not also with Him freely give us all things? So what has God given us? How has He given them to us? Freely. Mahala! You can't earn it. You can't pay anything for it. Bible, this world says there's nothing for Mahala. You tell them, I've got good news. That's the gospel. James 1 verse 17, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from our Father of lights. And catch this, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, Kama, when he looks at you today and he says, Hey, I love you, my, my boy. I'm just so crazy about you. And then tomorrow morning, you wake up again and you look at him. He's not going to go, Ugh, I'm not in the mood for you today. Today I want to just love Megan today. That's never gonna, he's gonna, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to feel good, and he's going to go, I love you, my boy. And you're going to wake up the next thing, and you're not going to feel so good, and he's going to go, I love you, my boy. And no matter what you do, there's no variation in God. He loves you. No variation. So there's a natural progression in our response to this, folks. Number one, gratitude and thankfulness. Every day we wake up, and we look into the Father's eyes, and he looks at us and he says, I love you, my boy. What should my reaction be? God, thank you. Because without you, I couldn't receive your love. I know that in my flesh, I am unworthy of your love. But thank you for Jesus that I can enjoy everything that you are and I can love you back. Thank you. I owe you everything. You are my everything. Because without your love, I would be nothing. Gratitude. What's the next natural reaction? As his love changes who I am, I begin to share it with others. Sometimes deliberately, sometimes it's just out of the overflow that's going on with who I am. That's why I said this morning, freely you have received, freely give. Paul prays in the, to, for the church in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5, he says for them, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. And I'm going to pray that prayer over you today as we, as we round out our service, that the Lord would direct your hearts into the love of Christ. And finally, what else does it do? What's the third response that God is looking for from us? That we open our heart to receive that which is not yet manifest in our lives, that which we now need. Remember? Freely you've received, freely give. You can only give that which you have received, right? So maybe you're in a place this morning, you've received some wonderful revelations, I pray you have, that have shifted you on in your relationship with God. But I'm sure that there's areas where you are needing breakthrough. I'm sure there's areas where you, 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 you know you haven't exhausted every, everything God has to say on the matter. You haven't yet seen the manifestation of that which has been freely given. Remember, He's freely given all things. What's my response? I need to receive. And so I come to God. I thank Him for who He is. I allow that love to flow out through me. And yet at the same time, I continue to pursue Him 
for that which I still haven't seen in manifestation in my life, knowing that there's always more of Him, more of His love, more of His goodness, more of His provision and His grace to make me more like Him. Sharing what you have is the natural expression of true love, folks. God so loved the world that He gave what He had, His only begotten Son. What have you got to give? Why is that important? It's important because what you have is the seed that produces the harvest of what you need. Did you get that? Let me put it to you this way. If God has given you a revelation of His love, but you are in need in another area, start sowing the seed of the revelation that you have, trusting that God will cause that harvest to come in the area that you need it. That's how the kingdom of God works. What are you sharing? What seeds are you sowing? What is your love walk with the Father look like? Are you stuck in works trying to muster worthiness? Are you still worried about God's pleasure over you? That He's happy with you or not happy with you? We sung a beautiful song this morning. I've heard many people talking about what they think you're like. There's many people saying what they think God is like. What matters is that tender whisper that you're pleased with me and that I'm your own. Can you hear the voice of the Father speaking to you about that this morning? Calling you out of works? I'll close with a, with a paraphrase, a portion of Scripture. You can go read it yourself. Second, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through to about 5. Paul, uh, Jesus writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he commends them. He says, you guys have done a wonderful work. You have been faithful. You have tested those who say that they're apostles, and you've You've proved those who are true and you've, pro you've proven those who are fake to be frauds. Your commitment, your diligence has been outstanding. Works have been great. But I've got one thing against you. You've left the first love. The reason why you're doing all of this stuff in the first place is the most important thing. In the same way that Jesus isn't really too concerned about the sin that you've committed because he's already taken care of it, what he's concerned about is what that's doing to your heart because it causes you to withdraw. The same way God is really not too concerned about the works you do, whether they be for yourself or for his name. What God's concerned about is your love for him. Because we can do works devoid of love, amen? We can serve God with all great gusto and great excellence and be completely removed from his heart. It's the revelation of his love that woos us, that draws us in, that brings us to that place where Father can just love on us, where Father can pour out his goodness on us, and where we are able, aligned, to receive it. Amen? You see, it's not enough to know that God is love, and that he loves, and that he has given We've got to come to the place where I position my heart in a personal, relational way to say, God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've given me. Thank you that your life is poured out for me. I believe a response is required to a word like this. 
We can't hear something like this, an invitation from God like this, and not respond to it. Remember I said, what is the first response that we, got, that we should have? Is gratitude. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.